amigos, ¿qué tal? Stuart here from Spain Speaks. Hoy con otro podcast número 5 de esta serie. Y no te preocupes, no vamos a hablar en español, vamos a hablar en inglés, pero primero vamos a decir hola a John, que está aquí otra vez con nosotros. Hola, ¿qué tal? Muy bien, John, ¿tú? Muy bien, gracias. Bien. Uh, so, let's switch back into English. Just testing our uh, Spanish there for future podcasts, maybe. We don't know. We've... Uh, discussed that maybe we could do one in Spanish one day. But there's a lot of people looking at these podcasts, John, for the uh, learning English aspect. Yes, I've got actually got some of my students that uh, watch the podcast every week as well to practice a little bit of English. So, yeah, it's useful for both things. Well, that's it. Uh, people are looking to improve their uh, listening comprehension skills, talking about a topic that they like. Uh, their country and uh, that's uh, probably one of the reasons why they're tuning in. Uh, now the first thing we're going to look at today, lots of things to talk about. Um, I've got a bit of a, a frog in my throat so uh, you'll have to excuse me there and there's also some roadworks going on outside. I don't know if you noticed. Oh, it's a nightmare. <laughs> I've had my street closed the whole week for parking and they haven't touched it yet so really, that's going to be really interesting well, to that's see how long it. that lasts. Well this street's been closed since the, uh, the 23rd the day, and they haven't done anything yet so uh, I'm still waiting. But uh, just in case there are any jackhammers come into the uh, recording, that's the reason. So uh, not much we can do about it, but um, I'll try and uh, get rid of the sound in uh, post if I can, as they say. Now, today we're going to look firstly, as I said, at uh, some of the comments. Now, this one from Dystopian. Dystopian's a regular viewer of these uh, videos and listener of the podcast. And he said that in the last one, John, we were too polite on our uh, criticism of the job market in Spain. I think I, I, I used the word that the job market is crap. Uh, he says we were too polite. Uh, that's why he moved <laughs> to Ireland, uh, even when he loved living in his hometown. You actually commented uh, on this, did you not? Yeah, I mean, uh, I actually commented on a couple of uh, comments regarding the job market. I did make a mistake. I did say that the uh, unemployment rate was about 20% here in Spain, which oh, yeah. is actually about 15, 16. Okay. Uh, I think someone uh, caught me out on that one. Uh, but that wasn't just a guess anyway. Uh, last week I did say it was around 20%. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think uh, I, I live here. Uh, I'm really a guest in the country. I wasn't born here. So uh, I class myself as a guest in the country, even though I've been here for such a long time and got yeah. family here. So I don't like to be too critical of uh of things here because you know i chose to live here it's uh, it was my choice and so hmm. i try not to be too critical of the job market either but yes it's crap well <laughs> it is a characteristic that um we try not to criticize too much the country because people don't like that obviously no, of course people don't like uh australia bashes they don't like uh pommy bashes as we call them yeah. or whatever <laughs> whatever uh, the word you want to use. People don't like people criticizing the country, but there must come a time when, after living here for 20 years, you are able to give an opinion. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, if... Uh Without, now, when when I, when without worrying about hurting other people's feelings. Yeah, I mean, when I talk to friends now, we, we often uh, talk about specific things, day-to-day uh, -day things that we, we all have to go through and we all experience. And normally there's no issues there. I've no, I don't think I've had a, anyone sort of come back to me with saying, you know, oh, you should go back to your own country or anything for probably about 10 years now when uh, we've been discussing these points. But Well, some people have uh, yeah. told me that on really? some of the comments. Yeah, go back to your own country, mate. Uh, who are you to talk about 
Spain. And the fact of the matter is that I think that after 20 years, you can get some experiences, but it's always difficult. And I think we mentioned this in another podcast as well, that it's always, it's not a good idea to compare countries. No, I don't, I don't. I just don't think you can compare countries um, in the view of trying to say which one is the better one to live in because it's all down to your own personal yeah. experience and your point of view. Uh, you can compare countries, but I don't think it's necessarily a good idea because people get upset about it. Uh, normally that's the case as well. So uh, dystopian, being too polite. We'll come back to that comment in a minute because there's something else I want to talk about which is related to it. Uh, there was another comment here. I'll just see that if I can find it from uh, H. Lee. H. Lee, I think, is in the USA. And he says that one thing your listeners might benefit from in regards to the job market there is if you were to touch on what are the major industries in Spain. Uh, any idea, John, the major industries apart from tourism? Well, obviously, tourism is one huge one, obviously. Um, but, I mean, it depends on what part of Spain you're going to or you want to go to. Uh, there's a lot of industry uh, in the north of Spain, uh, Barcelona, Catalonia as a whole, really. Yep. Um, and obviously also the, um, uh, the northern uh, coastline as well. Madrid, it's a it's it's an industrial city as well to a point. Services uh, mainly, but it's though, mainly right? services. It's mm. really a service industry here. Uh, you've got uh, some uh, manufacturing uh, uh, companies here as well, but it's not as as big uh, as the north of Spain. It all depends on what your what part of Spain you're looking at coming to, really. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So if you are coming to a city like Madrid, uh, services predominantly. Uh, the Basque Country, which is probably the north yeah. that you were referring yeah, to, because if you go to Asturias, there's nothing there, no, or no. Um, Santander, there's nothing. No. Galicia, maybe you've got Inditex, which is a big manufacturer. Yeah, you go towards Bilbao, Vitoria, you've got a lot of industry up there mm-hmm, as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but I, th- I think probably Catalonia is probably the the area where you'll find uh, a, a lot of industry uh, in it. that area. Uh, down the coastline, you're looking more tourism, but also you've got a lot of agriculture mm-hmm. as well. Um, as well as other things, I mean, I, I don't like to comment too much on the on these things because that's when you do get uh, Spanish people criticising you, saying, "Oh, but you <laughs> forgot to mention this and yeah, you forgot to mention yeah. that." And, and I'm not an expert in uh, exactly no, we're not. How, we're not. the percentage of uh, uh, industry of each thing. Yeah, it's um, it's something that uh, you know. I think people need to look into exactly what uh, they want to do in the country and then make sure they go to the right area. That's it. And um, but there are some areas where I think Andalusia, for example, very tourist uh, tourism based. Yeah, very much so. Catalonia, the interesting one. They've got big pharmaceutical uh, industry mm. going on there. A lot of other industries there as well. Those yeah. are the main places. And of course, um, uh, there is a trend that a lot of people do end up in a big city. Uh, yeah. looking for that opportunity because in some places Extremadura maybe I don't know what the opportunities are there and the Luthier as I said before the Canary Islands you know you really probably and I'm saying this just off the top of my head but I suppose that you are limited to what you can do in those places there's I mean I've got students that are coming to me now that have been uh, living in Spain uh, sorry in Madrid for probably about five six years mm. and they've come up uh, two of them have come up from Extremadura actually uh, um, another couple came up from uh, Malaga yeah. and they've come here because of the 
uh, the head offices of their companies uh, based in Madrid yep. and for them to get a promotion or to move up in the company they've, they've had got to, to come move, here yeah mm. they've had to move away from the local regional office and come to the, the head office to, to get to get a foot up on the on yeah the yeah that, and that, that's been a trend that's been going on for a long time I mean people in Madrid you, you always see that they're from another part of Spain they've come here looking for opportunity that's right so remember that if you are having to compete with all of those other uh, people the Spanish people that are coming to these big cities to compete, then that's obviously a lot of competition in those job markets yeah, as well. definitely. And not a lot of opportunity, as we have said before. Now, this uh, next comment, John, from Leo Javaman, NYC. Uh, he says, based on what you said about the job market opportunities and clear age discrimination for both young and older people... Uh, things look very bleak in terms of the country's prospects for the future, uh, especially if you've got kids. In other words, it seems that unless you have a Spanish spouse, it's tough to imagine a bright future for yourself and kids there. What do you think? Uh, I mean, that's, that's a very very broad generalisation, I think. I wouldn't say it's bleak. But, uh, but you've got two kids. I've got two kids. I'm, I'm quite happy here at the moment. Um, I mean, I'm not doing exactly what I planned on doing at all, but mm. I love what I do now. Uh, mm. I've sort of fallen into this by luck, really. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I came here with a, a different idea of what I was going to do. It became impossible. Having kids did change that uh, in fact I actually gave up a very good career in um, uh, a company uh, to basically have more time with the children um, so it all depends on what you want to do and, uh, and what you're aiming at really uh, yep. I think as I say it's a bleak future unless <sighs> no I don't think I wouldn't go that far but uh, yeah <laughs> there are there, there are some statistics which do um, Sometimes you know, put in the back of your mind, perhaps that the future is bleak, especially yeah. when you when you when you uh, talk to people that say that the pension system is going to collapse. I don't I don't find too many people that are very optimistic about the pension system. Everybody that I speak to seems to say that you know my parents have got their pension, but I don't think I'm going to get what I've paid for. Do you know what yeah. I mean? No, the pensions is a very worrying. Uh, case, but I think that's a very worrying case in a lot of countries across yeah. the whole world now. Yeah. Um, pension system just doesn't seem to be holding up. I mean, we've got obviously we've got various problems with that. Some countries uh, have been <laughs> spending the pension money. Uh, the stock markets haven't been uh, performing, performing and uh, the pensions haven't been going up uh, as expected in many cases. And we've also got the huge problem of the fact that we're solving uh health issues uh which is fantastic for a lot of people but the uh, average age of um, living longer of death uh, or you know the life expectancy is now longer which means there are more pensioners less money in the pot uh and spread between more people so yeah um that is very worrying but i think it's something that people need to to think of now um i mean i'm 43 now i'm thinking about it i'm trying to put some money away but not in a pension um and probably having your own house is probably uh, a very important thing to make sure you've got your own house and mm. and probably paid the mortgage before you retire i yeah. think that would if that you helps you yeah if you can mm. that would probably help you uh in the future yeah the unemployment rate obviously uh, you know we said that we were picked up on the on the on the unemployment rate, 15%. It was 25% a few years ago, 26 maybe even. 
Um, in some areas of Spain, it got even higher than that. I think it got into the 30s. And youth unemployment was around 50%, I think, fairly standard, really? I think, in, in, in a lot of areas. And that was for a long time. That, that, that wasn't yeah. 18 months. That was maybe two, three, four years before it started to recover. And if there are so many people unemployed that are not contributing to the pension system, let's say, then obviously we are going to see cracks in it. Another thing is whether politicians are able to fix the problem. A lot of people uh, probably doubt that as well. And, <laughs> well they've got to start, uh, stop stealing the money before uh, actually well, fix it. <laughs> well, actually, the, another point that he, that he makes here, uh, Leo Javaman NYC says, um, why doesn't the country deal with these issues? How is it that a country with an aging population um, is so widespread? Same question, same question regarding the widespread corruption and bureaucracy problems. So why do you think Spain as a democracy is not able to address these issues? That's a complex question. Yeah, it's pretty complex. But I mean, at the end of that, I think if you look at the depth that some of the corruption has gone to mm. in Spain, I mean, it's not a few people stealing a few thousand euros. I no. mean, we were looking at... Uh, just to give you a, a rough idea of how bad it's been, it, there was a, a, a period of time where in the UK there was a huge scandal about the uh, politicians' allowances. allowances and expenses, and they were taking advantage of the fact that um, having a second home, uh, they could claim back money and things like that. Cleaning because they expenses. Were, yeah, and they were taking the mick. But we're talking about some of them were maybe they claimed over a few years they claimed sixty thousand euros or something. Some of them were being um, really taken apart for claiming up to ten thousand, fifteen thousand euros. It wasn't a, a huge amount, mate. It was wrong. It was a rule. Done it, but they they broke the rules. They or they they manipulated the rules to to get this money. But here in Spain, we're talking about millions. We're talking about certain politicians that have, have got away with taking millions and millions of euros out of the country. Yeah. And not one or two, but uh, a, a lot. lot. Yeah. Um, and of course, the people that have got to resolve these things are other politicians right. and other agencies that are also being... T uh, uh, sort of blamed and being said to have also uh, had a lot of corruption in them as yeah, well. Yeah. So how far does this go? Who's going to regulate it if everyone's got their hand oh, in the pot? Yeah, that's that, that, that's that's the question. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was something. Uh, for example, I think yesterday the former economy minister Rodrigo Rato went to jail. Uh, I'm not sure how long his sentence was, but he was sentenced to this uh, black card scandal Yeah. where the, a state-run bank, I think it was Bankia or Caja Madrid. It was Caja Madrid at the time, Caja I think. Madrid yeah. state, uh, like a, a public bank or a uh, savings bank, was um, giving credit cards to high-ranking politicians and officials in that bank, and they were taking the money out and using the credit card for personal purposes and yeah. millions and millions of euros of... Um, and subsequently, that, that bank went went broke yeah. and, uh, and required a, a huge bailout of European money. Yeah, and a lot of people lost a lot of money. There was a lot of pensioners, especially, that were affected hugely by, by that. Well, they that, lost their sa whole savings. And well, well, that was almost uh, a state-organized fraud. Yeah. And there's nothing much, I've got to be careful what you say, but there's, you can't do much when you've got 
the state, uh, you know, deliberately forcing that bank to to move along those lines, basically. And yeah, and, I don't know uh, the the full ins and outs of what happened uh, exactly, but uh, well, it went it very, public. It went public. It went very and public. So, so the government put Rato in charge of that bank to take it public, knowing that it yeah. was a bankrupt entity. Yeah. And if you invest your money in the stock market, John, you want to know that a company's bankrupt before you do it, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> so, so that that's that's the the so people knew that that company was bankrupt yeah. and deliberately took it public to get more money to try to to try to fix the company. Obviously, it didn't work. Rather than admit that it's a bad bank and ask for money from the European yeah, Union in the first place. Yeah, obviously affected thousands and thousands of people, and I say especially pensioners. Well, exactly. Uh, so they, you're talking about the, yeah. the, the weakest, um, financially weakest members of society, yeah. theoretically, right? There, there were there were a lot of pensioners that actually lost their homes over it. They, they were out on the street, some of them uh, very soon after all this happened. Uh, the, basically, what they had saved um to be able to have a nice retirement they just completely lost in one go yeah. and on something that in theory was a very safe investment mm. in um, theory in theory that uh from what those people have uh, been saying on their interviews on the television that they they were told it was a very safe investment there wasn't a uh, any sort of risk really um and very not that long after they'd done it, maybe a few years, uh, they found out they lost everything and were told, well, it was an investment, it was uh, your risk, and that mm. was a problem. So, you know, a, <laughs> you, a friend, you can't do that to these people. A friend of mine was giving classes in Caja Madrid at the time uh, with top management, and uh, he was encouraged to invest his savings in the company. Uh, and, you know, the, the Please prior, tell me he didn't. He did. Oh. I don't know how much he put in, but yeah. I think I don't. I'm not sure whether they were able to get it back. I'm not sure what happened in the end, but I know that a lot of the people that did lose money, there was there were court cases. They were able to get some of the money back. I'm not sure on the exact details there, but but it was a very high, um, highly organised um, uh, economic fraud. I think, at, 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 like I said, a very, very, very high level. It's certainly, what it sounded like. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I only know what I saw in the news. Mm. Uh, can't really comment uh, comment any more on that. I don't know anyone uh, personally affected uh, by it. Just the people I saw in the news. But you, I mean, how many people were it? It was, it was, it was thousands. No, well, I think, uh, oh. if, if I understand correctly, it was. Well, the rumours are. Well, the rumours are what they were doing was that they were deliberately calling up pensioners with two or three four five thousand euros in savings and trying to get them to invest mm. in the you know in the in the new in the new um uh, public offering or to buy these yeah. uh, preference shares as they call them the preferentes or yeah. whatever they were called back in the day and yeah uh basically uh trying to get uh, money uh, to save face let's say um so I have to be careful along those lines. Now, I'll just go back to this uh, dystopian topic here that we were too polite on the job market in Spain. There was an article in the paper this week. Uh, I think it was HSBC, another bank, decided to do an expat explorer study, and they came to the conclusion that Spain is near the bottom for salaries when it comes to uh, expat living, but near the top for quality of life. And some of the things that they say here, John, they said that quality and uh, uh, quality of life and climate are two of the most popular reasons why expats say they have moved to Spain. Many come from the UK, or most come from the UK. Many have retired. 
Um, one uh, less than one fifth had a full time job, and only fourteen percent had children. Okay. But where Spain performs badly is when it comes to economic conditions, ranking last in the areas of income and saving possibilities and second to last in the areas of entrepreneurship, promotion opportunities and job securities. So that basically sums it up there. Yeah. Uh, fairly, uh, fairly precise in the summary of the Spanish job market there. Uh, if you have to work in this economy, buyer beware. Yeah, it's, again, it's just, you just got to make sure you know what you're doing That's before it. you get here. Yeah. Just, uh, don't do come research. don't come here thinking that you're going to be the next bill yeah. gates <laughs> exactly yeah uh, i mean people uh, people come here uh to retire that's fine um uh, they need to make sure they've uh, got enough money to cover themselves to live mm. here do the right paperwork make sure they've got permission to to live here they've got the residency and everything else um but when it comes to healthcare that's something they need to make sure they've got completely and utterly under control before they um, decide to permanently live here because so many people are getting caught out with this. They arrive here, they think they can get public health care and then they find out they, they can't, they're not entitled to it um, and then they've got to get public uh, private insurance. Well, it's probably best to come here thinking that you're going to have to get private insurance and you're going to have to pay private health care uh, and make sure you've got enough money for it and then see if it's possible with what you're paying in taxes and everything else um, or if there's any other way of getting the public health care. Uh, it's something that people get caught out on every single year. You get people complaining about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. Um, a lot of the people that do uh, watch and listen to us are uh, either retirees or they are planning to come to Spain to retire. And we have spoken about it the, before that if you have a good uh, pension, if you've got a, a, a you know a 2000 plus euro pension a month, which some people do seem to have. Spain can offer a fantastic quality of life. Um, people are not in your face. Uh, and you can uh, enjoy the good weather, which is what a lot of people are looking for, and a laid-back lifestyle there on the on the coast. So um, we could recommend that. And also there are other places in Spain as well that we have mentioned uh, in the last few weeks where you, uh, if you don't want the coast, I mean, you can get fantastic quality of life in some of the smaller cities close to mountain ranges as yeah, well. Right. The north of Spain we've spoken about, um, just uh, west of Madrid here in Extremadura, Salamanca also offer very good quality of life. And uh, people are looking to do that. People are looking to do that. So um, you can always keep that in mind. Um uh, expats in Spain earn less than the collective average and only 13% see Spain as this, a destination with better salaries than their home country. So, yeah, keep that in mind. Working conditions, salaries, a uh, bit of a struggle, bit of a struggle. Uh, you, We need to be optimistic and, and think that they could improve, but uh, my 20 years experience tells me that it's not something that's going to happen uh, relatively soon, I don't think. I don't think so. No, I think... Um... <laughs> The, the the way that the economy is in globally now, I don't think we're going to see any major improvements in Spain for some time to come when it comes to salary. Well, that's it. Mm. Uh, salaries. Quality of life. I mean, quality of life for me, I think, in Spain is, is great. It's fine. I've got no, no problem with that. Um, I'm, yeah, as I've said before in other videos, 
We're, I'm not a massive fan of the hot weather. Uh, I'm here because uh, because of my wife, not because of the yeah. weather. But uh, that's definitely something a lot of people look for, and uh, it's something they they look at as a, a big plus side on their quality of life. Absolutely. And it, obviously, you get that, especially from the on north the coast. of Europe. Mm. Mm-hmm. The north of Europe, one of those places where uh, the sun doesn't shine for a lot of the year. <laughs> yes, yes, that's uh, and that's one thing that you can't get here. Even in the middle of winter, you do get a sunny day. Well, I think here, the, I mean, the one thing I do love about the weather here um, is the fact in the winter, even though it's freezing cold, uh, it could be absolutely, you know, freezing minus two degrees sometimes, maybe the sun's out. You've got a lovely sunshine. It is, it is. Um, which is something that in the UK I'm not used to. Is Normally it's freezing cold, but it's cloudy and wet. So That's right. Okay, and the final thing we'll look at this week, John, we've got a reduced um, a reduced uh, podcast this week. Um, we're a bit late getting started this morning, and I have to I have to uh, head off to get my hair cut soon. So um, I don't want to be late for that appointment. You don't want to miss your appointment at the hairdressers here. You could be waiting forty five minutes for the next one. Uh, there was an article about Brexit uh, in the El País English edition. And uh, the headline was, I'm British and living in Spain. How can I prepare for Brexit? And there's a Madrid-based lawyer called Margaret Horschild Ray, who specializes in citizenship and civil law. And she's giving advice for Britons ahead of the UK's exit from the European Union. Now, you said that you uh, hadn't seen this article. No, I haven't. All right. So uh, we'll just go some of the main points that she mentions here just to see if you've got this on your checklist, John. Okay, yeah. That's as, a, uh, <laughs> as a Briton facing, <laughs> this, uh, facing this dilemma as uh, many, many millions uh, around the European Union are. So she says here, the first thing she says is that you uh, need to ensure that your green residency uh, – sorry, sorry, I'll repeat that. You need to ensure that on your green residency card – it says residente comunitario con car- carácter permanente. Okay. Okay. So you need to be no a idea. permanent EU resident. Okay. Have you got that? I've got the big green letter. But I don't Does know it say actually, that? I don't know if it specifically says that. Okay. I'll, uh, I'll you better check, check, you better one, check yeah. that one. Yeah. Okay. Throw me out tomorrow. Because apparently this will justify on an official basis that you've been living in Spain for more than five consecutive consecutive years. Now, I'll just say, firstly, you're married to a... A Spaniard, so yeah. you've got no problem. No, so. I shouldn't have a problem. But plus, yeah. I think uh, if I remember rightly, they uh, after five years yeah. when I went to renew my uh, residency, they gave me that lovely oh, they did? A4 green oh, okay. piece of paper to um, to prove that uh, I was a resident. But I don't, I never actually looked on it to see if it said uh, permanent resident or not. So okay. that, that's the thing that I'm not sure about. But I've definitely got the letter, so I have to take it everywhere I go uh, <laughs> when I've got to do anything uh, official. All right, good. Now, the second point, she says here that you need to register at your town hall. Make sure that you are on the padron, the the, the local register. Yep. And you need to get this uh, certificado de empadronamiento. Certificado yep. de empadronamiento, in case you need to ask <laughs> for that at your local council. Uh, you have this? Yes, of course. I have that ever since I got here. That's okay. something that people should do the minute they get here. They okay. should be uh, the minute anyone gets to Spain and they're going to be living here. The first thing you should be doing is getting that. Uh, why? Because you need it for a lot of things. Uh, a lot of official things you need to use um just to be able to to do the basics. Uh, it's, it's it's very necessary. All right, good. So that's. Uh... 
Second one ticked off. The third one she says here is that you need to register your property if you have bought property in Spain. And uh, maybe you didn't register it. Uh, good idea to go to the proper the property register and get that done. Uh, you need to request a nota simple from the register and this shows that the property is in your name. Uh, you own property? Uh, yeah, I own property. It's a property owned with my wife. That's so, right. Okay, uh, so we imagine that that's done. That's a major issue. Either. Okay, yeah. we imagine that's But it is registered, we suppose. Yeah. Okay, good. I can't know. If somebody does, hasn't got their property registered. I don't know how you How can do you do not that. have I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. Okay. Maybe yeah. you build in the middle of the mountains somewhere and you don't worry about <laughs> registering. I don't know. Yeah. Or you live in one of these old villages somewhere where Maybe. No, nobody even knows you, that you're there. That's an, that's an interesting point. There was a good documentary about a, a Dutch um, man who was murdered. Did you read about that? No. He went to live in, well, I'm getting off track, but I'll just finish this story quickly. He went to live in one of these abandoned villages. Well, it wasn't abandoned. There was one other family living in it, this abandoned uh, aldea, a very small village in Galicia. And the people that uh, he moved next to were crazy, and they uh, decided to end his life. Okay. Basically, after a certain amount of years, he wanted he had plans to turn the this, his area this area into some type of you know uh, green village, uh, you know renewable energies, all of these things, grow his own vegetables. The uh, people that he moved next to thought that they had the automatic right to own everything in the village, and uh, legally they didn't, of course, but uh, they um, they shot him. Mm. Really? Yeah. You never heard that story? Never heard that story, okay. no. First, uh, Look into it. I can't. It's pretty unlucky, isn't it? I mean, it is unlucky. A, well, there was only one other family there. Exactly. <laughs> Listen, and they were uh, crazy. Virtually abandoned village in the mm. middle of nowhere, and the only people that live there decide yeah. to murder you. That's I pretty can't, unlucky. I yeah. can't think of the name of the man. I think it was Martin, Martin someone, but he was a Dutch, uh, a Dutch man. Okay. He moved there with his wife, looking for a better quality of life, of course, and uh, that was the end so of So they him. killed her as well? Then? No, no. They didn't kill her. They only oh. killed They only killed him. She she went on to tell the story. This is how the, oh, okay. how the documentary in the book came about. But this was quite a few years ago, so it's been around. But I'll, I'll look into that for the next one. Yeah. All right, sorry, getting back on point here quickly. Uh, if you have a Spanish spouse, which is uh, the case uh, with you here, John, and Spanish children and or Spanish children, make sure that you have a marriage certificate and the birth certificates of your offspring. Yep. Check. The family All right, out. good. Yep. The local civil registry for free. Good. Prove your links to Spain. That's right. <laughs> yeah, to prove your blood link. There, you know. <laughs> yeah. All right, good. If you belong to a parish club or Spanish association, uh, in your case, the cricket club. Cricket club, yeah. Okay. Uh, maybe people belong to the local parish. Maybe they belong to the bowling uh, club down there in Benidorm. Uh, apparently what you can do is that you, if you have a role there, your role as president of the cricket club, yeah. you can get a certificate which states that you um, – uh, have strong links with Spain. Yeah, okay. well, I founded the club in 2001, so I think go. I'm pretty safe on that one. But as long as you have a <laughs> like a certificate that yeah. uh, shows that you did that. The next one is your vida laboral from the Social Security. So all of those years that you've been working here and paying the Social Security, which is fundamental in this country, the Social Security to be paid, you need to request that from your Social Security office. Fairly easy thing to do. You just go along there, get a number, make an appointment on the phone or internet or whatever, go along there, and it lists every place that you have worked and paid into the system over yep. your uh, working life. Yeah, yep. you can do that whenever you like. Yeah. Well, they used to send it to you in the mail before as yeah, well. Yeah, I, I haven't had that I know, actually. I haven't had that time. for a while either, but yeah. it's quite interesting to see uh, how much you've uh, – you've, uh, 
well, you don't really see how much you've uh, been paying, but uh, that, that gives you an idea of your uh, working life. Driving uh, driving license. Okay, if you still have a British driving license and have not swapped it for a Spanish one. Now, I don't know whether this is uh, your case or not. Uh, I suppose that there are still quite a few British people driving around on uh, British licenses, especially in the uh, the coastal areas where you even yeah. see British I mean, registered cars. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and the other thing is that it's a, it's a law that sort of got chopped and changed around a couple of times as well. Was because, it? yeah, when I first got here, um, it was necessary to change your uh, British driving license if you was a permanent resident uh-huh. and you were here for more than six months or something. Yep. Then I think it was, I don't know, it was 2005, 2006, something like that, 2004 changed. maybe even. It changed it and you could use your British license um, because we were in the Euro- uh, European Union, et cetera, et cetera. And then again, I think it was a couple of years ago, they they sort of changed it again and said, oh no, you've got to change again and um, you've, you've got to make sure you've got your Spanish driving license. So yeah, I mean, it's... Um, I remember the Gestoria was going to charge about 75, 90 euros uh, to do all the paperwork okay. uh, for me, go to Trafigal. Uh, so they change um, the, the license yep. over for you. It's, a, it's a simple process. Yeah, you've got, uh, you need to do the Seco Technical. So you may have to make sure that you've got good reflexes. Good reflexes, uh, good eyesight. I don't know, I can't remember what else it was. There's a few things there, but it's about a 20 minute uh, little test yep. Yep. that you have Pay to do. It. You have to pay for it. Yeah, I can't remember how much that was. But you pay for it and they um, basically send that straight to Traffical. Yeah. And then when you've got that done, you go to the Gestoria. You yeah. have to have your um, your documents in order. So I think you need two photos yeah. uh, for the license. Copy of your... Uh, copy of your empadronamiento. Yeah. Um, the certificate the empadronamiento if your address is different on uh, your license to okay. uh, or your knee to your current home address yeah. so if you've moved okay. um, and then uh, you have to fill in a couple of forms so it's quite easy to do it's not that difficult to do and there's plenty of places around that will do the sequel technical for you yeah yeah um, so that's not uh, hard and I think you can just turn up to most of them now and mm. uh, as long as they're open and everything that's 20 right. minutes well you have that advantage I actually had to here's my driver's license so I'll just show that to people there I had to go through the uh, the whole kit and caboodle oh, of course yeah to, uh, yeah, to get mine yeah. being an Australian they don't let us uh, drive here it's the same if you're from the States. You're not allowed to drive here unless you get a Spanish license. It's too complicated because in Australia we have a license for every state. I think that's the case in the States as well. Whereas you're in the UK, you just have one single license, which makes it quite yeah. easy to do. Uh, in, the, in Australia, no. We have a license in Western Australia, uh, uh, South Australia, Victor, uh, Victoria, New South Wales, Queensland, everywhere has its own driver's license. So that's why I had to go through that. So uh, it's a bit of an inconvenience yeah. and quite difficult and expensive. Well, just for anyone who so is actually going that. to do the change of license from the from a UK license, um, it's not actually necessary to do this, uh, the sequel technical straight away. Uh, for example, if your license is expiring in three or four years' time, you can get uh, change your license over to a Spanish license without doing the sequel technical. Mm-hmm. But... In three or four years' time, when your license expires, your new license will also expire, and then you'll have to do the sequel technical again. Oh, okay, okay. If you do the sequel technical now and you change your license now, your license is basically valid for ten years. Okay. So it saves you a lot of hassle for you know just a couple of years. All right, good. And the last one she mentions here is inheritances. Inheritances. Uh, as a European citizen, you can choose if your last will and testament 
is subject to the laws from your home country and the country or the country in which you are living at the moment. So that's uh, another point. So that's uh, the uh, the checklist that she went uh, through. It's in El País, the English edition. You can check that out for yourselves. And um, I'm sure Margaret would be more than willing to give you a hand considering that she is a lawyer and an expert in this, an expert on this topic. Good. Uh, got to wrap it up, John. Uh, okay. I've got to go and get the haircut, as I said. Uh, thanks a lot uh, for your participation again this week. Okay. A little bit shorter, as we did mention, but we'll try and do um, uh, a more, well, not uh, uh, much longer, we're 37 minutes, but we'll try and do a, a little bit more next week as well. Uh, thank you very much for watching and listening to the podcast. Again, remember that you can download the podcast on all of the major podcast programs. Stick it in your mobile phone, listen to it on the metro, on the underground, in the morning, on the way to work if you want to uh, find out a little bit about uh, living here in Spain, some of our experiences. And uh, we'll be back again next week, I presume, John. Yep, we I'll can. see you next week. All right, good. So uh, that's all. Remember to uh, leave a question or comment in the section below. Subscribe to the channel uh, if you like as well. Uh, no, no one's obliging you to do it, but if you want, you can subscribe. We love to get new subscribers. And uh, we'll see everybody next week. And uh, that's it. Hasta luego.